The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by Habs Eyes on the Prize.com. Hello and welcome to a new NFL season. It's the day after Tampa versus Dallas and uh, yeah, great game to start the season with Anton because you are an NFL fan. I am. I'm a huge NFL fan, um, but I wasn't up watching the game because I was busy doing analysis on my own until like late in the night and I couldn't stay up for the game, which started at one local time. So I just watched the highlights this morning. You didn't miss anything. I fell asleep during uh, the third quarter, so, so so there is that. But yeah, um, but but we're not here to talk NFL. Obviously, we're down to the top twenty-five, under twenty-five, and it is uh, Tuck, Brooke, and Mishak. Yes. Um, and and what's your take on these? Well, uh, if we start at number fourteen with Luke Tuck. Um... Luke Tuck is, you know, the big kind of winger. I understand why they they selected him around the same time as they traded for Josh Anderson. And if Luke Tuck reaches his potential, he's not as fast on his skates as Josh Anderson is, but like his ceiling is probably being that kind of middle six, big power forward winger that... Josh Anderson has grown to be in the National Hockey League. Um, he had an encouraging first season with Boston um, in the NCAA. Um, I wasn't overly thrilled when they selected him because he was ranked much lower. And uh, he's, you know, he seems to have um, performed better, like better than we were expecting. And um, it's interesting to see. Obviously, he has the hockey pedigree from his brother Alex. Um, already playing in the league. And uh, I think that he stands out among the uh, prospects of today for being like one of the few big winger prospects that Montreal has in their prospect pool. Indeed. And, and but first and foremost, he played hockey last year. That's a big mm-hmm. plus. Yeah. Um, because obviously I ranked him lowest. Uh, but on the other hand, First year NCAA, 11 points, 16 games, uh, six goals, five assists, um, 12 penalty minutes. Yeah. How good was NCAA last year? No, but like uh, that's pretty good, actually, because if as a a freshman in, in NCAA, you're not supposed to make that kind of an impact. We've seen. Like other guys, uh, we were talking about Blake Biondi, for example, who had like didn't make an impact at all during his freshman year. Um, and then we have Cole Caulfield on the other side of the spectrum who immediately made an impact. And I think that Luke Tuck, I mean, he was one of the top scorers on his team. He was, um, you know, he, he made the transition effortlessly. 
um and he's in for a, he's in for a bigger role obviously uh during this upcoming season and and i think there's a lot to um a lot to be um a lot to, a lot to be excited about when it comes to Luke Tuck, at least more than i thought a year ago yeah i'm i'm still undecided and and it comes down to i don't re- i think it comes down to actually and i'll be honest with this i don't really understand the NCAA system I, I I get the system, but I, I guess this is what many people in in North America considers with the under twenty hockey absence and, and and SHL. Like, what kind of system is 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 this, and how does it work? Um, but yeah, I, I I have trouble grading the NCAA prospects. Yeah, sure. But like, if you just check, like, obviously there are tiers in NCAA hockey as well. But if we see like um, Cole Caulfield made the transition effortlessly to the NHL, well, obviously he's uh, an otherworldly talent. But we see other guys as well who Jake Evans played four years with Notre Dame. We see Jordan Harrison uh, and Jaden Strubel perform well in uh, Northeastern. We saw Caden Primo play two years, I think, with Northeastern before he made the transition and became uh, the AHL Rookie Goalie of the Year uh, during his first year. So I think there is, you know, good, um, like, there, there, there is good quality education to get both on and off the ice by playing in the NCAA. And, I'm, I'm, not, I'm yeah. not arguing that. I'm just yeah. saying, like, I'm not understanding it full and and with different divisions, which division is good, which is bad, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Like, um, yeah. it's, it's like... At least in NCAA football, I know that the SEC is going to win, you know, take one or two positions in in, in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's the difficult part, actually, because, like, uh, I can agree with that. The tier system and everything, it's not the first thing I would turn on to. Like, watching double, NCAA hockey is not the first um, the first hockey game, like, I, I would put on uh, the TV as a European. Um, and knowing which teams are actually good this year. I, I know most, um, like I, I know hockey players more than I know the teams and the development system. So there are people in the US and in Canada who are far more knowledgeable about the uh, the systems and what works well and what doesn't um, than, than I do. So um, I just um, I just think that Luke Tuck, um, I, I think that he has, performed well in Boston and I think that uh, the fact that the Canadians can keep him for another three years without having to make a decision on him speaks volumes about what he can actually um, you know just what they can talk to him about improving before coming over and uh, you know being as as big as he is at 18 19 years old he's uh, over 200 pounds already and and he skates fairly well um, and he has a knack for for goal scoring i think that's a pretty good start you mentioned it and and uh, we've spoken on it previously on on this countdown um, that montreal seems to be appreciating more the fact that they get four years out of a prospect to to develop it be it in in NCAA or or in Europe um does this benefit uh, Chuck of course yeah um if we compare with uh, the the former player on the list before Luke Tuck was Logan Mayu for example uh he will only get two years before the Canadians have to make a decision now he ends up missing at least 
well, you can call it half a year, half a season. Um, for Luke Tuck, like you know, he can he can stay there for everything from uh, you know two to four years. He can even redshirt if if uh, if that's a possibility. I don't think he, that he will, but like theoretically, he could have five years. Um, and uh, something oh, we see with Henriksen, right? Because I think he redshirted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but like, it's just obviously like um, if you don't have to make a decision on the player uh, before they are fully developed, that's that's a better possibility. And um, that's the problem with like, you know, with the CHL in general, like after 20, where do you go? Because like you, you get two years there and then you have to move on kind of. And there really isn't. Um, like a quality a quality option for you after you played in the OHL, QMJ, EHL, or or the WHL for up till you're twenty. Um, so yeah, it's um, it's um, I, I know for sure. Like Trevor Timmons talked about that last year. That that was one of the reasons they selected guys like uh, guys like Mishak and and Tuck in the second round because they wanted more time to develop these prospects and not have to make a decision on so many guys at once. Indeed, and uh, we, we we're gonna have more on Chuck uh, because we have to promote the next kind of uh, the next pod coming up, and uh, we're super excited with one of the best guests that I have ever had on the pod. And I'm sorry, Anton, that 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 you go down a tire, but uh, Chris fine. Peters will join us for for the next pod to speak about some of the prospects on this list, including Chuck and and. Uh, Mayu and, and others that we have already passed on the list and, and without revealing too much about what's coming up on the list. But Chris Peters was really a great guest and uh, you were part of that pod and, and I think you enjoyed it as much as I did. I really did. Uh, Chris Peters was a wonderful guest to have, um, as most of our guests are. Uh, but but yeah, Chris Peters is very knowledgeable when it comes to American prospects and NCAA hockey. So it was a pleasure to having him on. Indeed, and and um, looking through the the list of, of previous players on on number thirteen, and obviously we're we're putting everyone up a step because of of the Kotkaniemi situation. And I mean, like this is some some really good players here. There, are Yannick Weber, Arthur Lekkonen, uh, obviously Rui, which is a miss. Julison, that that you know, unfortunately uh, left the program. Uh, Ilonen twice, Ilonen. And Kale Flurry. I mean, there, there are some interesting prospects around this area of, of, of the top 25, 125. Yeah, we're coming up to a higher tier now. Um, and, and it's noticeable. We see guys who are, if not established NHL players, then at least they've made an, uh, um, an impression. And, um, you know, we're approaching the, uh, the top 10. Um, for Josh Brook, this is... Um, his second highest rating, uh, but really, if it wasn't for Kotkaniemi leaving, he would still be in the same position that he was last year uh, at number 14. So it's a truth with a bit of modification. And um, he was number 11 when he was coming out of uh, of the WHL after having that monster year uh, where he put up all the points. Um, and then he fell back a little bit because he didn't quite dominate in the AHL as a lot of fans, I think, um, expected. Um, expected They expected a more seamless transition into uh, pro hockey. Um, he did make 
considerable strides in this year, though. Um, if it depended on Laval playing a better brand of hockey, um, or if it was Josh Brooks, um, you know, just growing into his suit, basically, um, that remains to be seen. It will be, um, it will be fun to see him in with a new coach and and see where he lands if he is one of the guys who is supposed to, you know, carry this team forward because like they don't have a lot of depth on the right hand side and it will be interesting to see if Josh Brook becomes the power play quarterback if he becomes like the the top. Uh, top pairing right-handed defenseman that he has the potential to be in the HL. And if he indeed gets a call up for the NHL for the first time in his career. There are so many questions here. Uh, first and foremost, we have to give credit to, to Brooke because he went to Germany to, to play for the Penguins, if I remember correctly. Um, only uh, preseason games, so they don't, they don't count in the stat sheet. Uh, but but he, he went over, he got covid Uh, as well, so, so fair play to him for coming back into the season. He played uh, 33 games with Laval, um, two plus 13. Uh, and if I remember correctly, none of them were on the power play, which you would sort of expect from a power play quarterback as you bring up. But on the other hand, yeah, he is one of those players that is very close to the team, uh, very close to getting that call up. But with Matthias Norlander coming over to to uh, uh, to, to camp, uh, he will. We record this on Friday night, and Matthias Norlander will play when you wake up, more or less, because at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning, uh, American time, or, or today, uh, American time, uh, Eastern time, uh, so Canadian time as well, obviously. Uh, Matthias Norlander will be on the ice playing for Frölunda in their opening game in the SHL. Um, Unfortunately, I won't be able to cover it in, in person. Um, I will be covering it from, from home. But you have to, to, to wonder, has Matthias Nolan passed him uh, on the depth chart? Or, or Because you could keep Norlander close to the team, not send him to the AHL, though, because you have to send him to, to the SHL. But... but Would you rather do that, or would you rather have Norlander in SHL and Brooke being able to be a call-up and, and evaluate his game maybe this last season with the, with the Canadians uh, organization? Well, that well that remains on like two things. First of all, uh, it's due to like it's down to what Dominic Ducharme and his coaching staff feels about you know. Uh, potentially having a left-handed defenseman on the right side for another season, as they did with Romanov, um, and potentially having a you know a young guy coming up from the AHL who knows the system um, and has been with the team longer in that regard, um, in comparison to Norlander, who is more of a uh, more of a wild card as it comes as as it seems now, and um, also it will be interesting to see Norlander to see whether he where he stacks up um, in comparison to, to these prospects that are more well-known in, in North America already, uh, because it's easy to, uh, it's easy to see Norlander's potential when he's for Linda, but uh, you know, the NHL is one, two, three steps up and it will be interesting to see uh, whether he's actually, 
one of the guys who could go in and and immediately you know improve Alabama team for example will he perform better than a Josh, Josh Brook from the start of, of training camp it will be fascinating to watch and and a good testament of where Frölunda's um, you know where Frölunda's level um, of training has taken him during this year well of course he won't have uh, a Ryan Lash running the Frölunda play as the um was showcased by the Vancouver Canucks last year in, in the season against Montreal Canadiens. Um, back to Josh Brook, though. Uh, what can we really expect from him this year? Is this a make-it-or-break-it year? Is this, uh, is this his chance to shine? Um, what is f- first uh, pairing defender in, in the AHL? First call-up maybe to the, to the NHL? What are your expectations? Yeah, I really think it is. I think it is. Uh, make it a break it season for for Brooke um, with the Canadians organization because as it comes uh, down to we, we see a guy like Cale Fleury who was in the same draft as Brooke um, who got called up already after his first season obviously that was also because the Canadians had less depth on the um, on the on defense um, at the time, but he played 41 games or something in the NHL before him being sent down again. Now he got claimed by Seattle. Um, it also means that three of the guys who would be uh, prospects maybe ahead of Brook on the depth chart are now gone through waivers or uh, or through the expansion draft. So if Josh Brook gets passed by other guys in Laval, like Schunemann or like, uh, you know, if... Um, if they just prefer other guys over Brook, um, as they've done before, even also this season, when it comes to call-ups and when it comes to guys who are close to, you know, making the NHL, I think it talks volumes about where they see um, Josh Brook's future, that he um, he isn't quite capable of, of reaching that NHL as of now. And, you know, being 22 and everything, you kind of want, you, you know, you want to see at least what he... Um, what he could do. Um, we saw Otto Leskinen, for example, come over when he was, what, 22, I think, when he came over. Um, and he at least got, you know, a few games um, in the NHL in his first year. So Josh Brook will be 23 when this season ends, and it would be good for him to just um, show that he uh, at least has the potential of be, being a major contributor on the AHL level. Um, AHL, we're, we're losing Bouchard, but but um, what can we expect from from Laval? Yeah, uh, what can we expect from Laval? Um, I, I think that Jean Francois will. Uh, he seems like uh, he wants to, you know, step into Joel Bouchard's footsteps and continue on the same path. Um, so I think that Laval should have a good team for this year as well. Uh, they have lost a few players. Uh, but I think that they have uh, they've done well to both replace and and just um, uh, they have a good core there who knows the system and and who know what uh, what um, is expected of them and um, I think it's uh, it's going to be an interesting season as well to see what uh, the ECHL team in Trois Rivières can add, um, just in terms of having the ability to um, have a three tier system and and getting everyone some playing time when needed. Um, guys who kind of fell through and and didn't get much playing time last year can 
get that through uh, Trois Rivières or, or get a better, better opportunity in Laval this season. Um, but um, yeah, we should expect Laval, even though it's not a Canadian division anymore, uh, we could expect them to, uh, to do well. And, and leaving Laval, obviously one player that played with Laval last year is Jan Mishak. Um, and and uh, it's interesting to see Jan. Um, he made quite the impression uh, during the World Juniors, uh, leading the first uh, line in uh, in the Czech or for the Czech Republic, mm. but also not being that standout center when it comes to, it came to offense. Uh, and and that is something that that my Czech sources has, has spoken of. And also that we heard Trevor, Trevor Timmons say something that they don't know if they or they project him more like a winger mm-hmm. at the moment than a center. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, like Jan Mišek has played both center and winger, so that's you know it's always a positive when you have that versatility and has played have played uh, several positions up to up to a high age, but. He has he has clear NHL potential, whether it be at center or on the wing. Uh, we have to remember as well he captained the under twenty team at in Canada um, last year, uh, Czech Republic under twenty team. Um, though he was, uh, you know, one of the younger players on the team, so it speaks something to his leadership and his perceived leadership, even if it was a, a you know not the strongest Czech generation. Um, but yeah, it's and this is his year. Like, if he wants to impress in the World Juniors, this is his season to do that. Um, otherwise, we could expect him to, uh, you know, um, take a roster spot on Laval, and and we'll see um, if they end up deploying him as center or if they uh, place him on the wing from the start of the season. It will be interesting to see uh, now that development comes around, uh, development camp comes around. It will be interesting to see uh, if Mishak lines up at, at center or wing. He had a very, very interesting uh, year last year. He, he played with Litvinov. He got called up to, to the uh, men's international team for for. Karjala Cup in Finland, it scored an assist. He led the, the, as you mentioned, the World Junior team as a captain uh, and, and really a, a captain in many ways that led uh, by, by doing things rather than, than, than uh, speaking out for things. He was a leader on the ice rather than off the ice. Um, of course, he then, then played with Laval got a concussion, came back and played the last two games with Laval as well. Um, very interesting. It seems that he's been going to London Knights as well. Is that correct or is it... Uh, well, it still it still says that he's going to Laval as of now. So, like, he has a contract with Laval and we'll see um, what happens with uh, with the OHL if, if Laval wants to keep him or, you know, it's, it's a new... New rule, obviously. So we don't really know what's going to happen. It depends on on where Laval sees him as of um, as of you know after development camp. I think um, if they deem that it would be best for him to continue with uh, with Hamilton um, in the OHL, then um, I'm guess uh, I guess he he's going back to the OHL. But he he didn't look out of place playing 22 games with Laval last season. Um, and and once again, I'm I'm kind of surprised because like when people fall in the draft, when players fall out of the first round who are perceived to go like in the 20, 25 first picks, 
and you end up picking them near the 50s, then kind of think like, well, maybe maybe like the hockey community, the analyst community has missed something here that, you know, coaches and general managers have, have picked up on in interviews or whatever. Um, and that's, you know, what, what was kind of like going through my mind with Mishak when he fell to 48. But um, yeah, it doesn't seem to be like any, any reason for concern when it comes to Jan Mishak. He seems like, a, you know, a, a highly intelligent, um, offensively gifted player who, uh, who has played a lot of pro league hockey and who, uh, you know, made the conscious decision of, of moving across the planet to, uh, to play in Hamilton at the age of, you know, 16, 17, um, after already playing, you know, first league hockey in, in the Czech Republic for, for two seasons. So, uh, so yeah, I'm still surprised that he fell to 48 and that, um, and the Montreal should be, Montreal Canadians should be happy for it. I spoke with Jan, uh, this summer and, and, uh, I've attached uh, the, that podcast, uh, to uh, the article for, for top 25 125 um, and, and you, what strikes me is, is, is a very consci- conscious young man he's, he's, he's working with his diet he's uh, taking care of his body he said himself he, he went from being this guy that went to McDonald's to have the burger uh, rather than cook proper meal for himself and make sure that they were correct nutrient wise and and, and uh, energy-wise, also the fact that, that he traveled a bit to, to work with Thomas Plekanec and, and has a, 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 a very good relationship with Thomas Plekanec to, to learn from him in order to become a better player. And, and maybe this is where we can, can see uh, Plekanec um, a role with, with Montreal progressing further down the line. But, but, but here he's, he's really helping Montreal talent grow into maybe a role that could be fulfilled later on. Yeah. And we see with Jan Mishak as well. I mean, he, he got some lessons from Peter Svoboda as well when he was, um, when he was uh, over in, in, in Montreal for the first time in his life. So like, yeah, he, he has good role models. And as you say, it would be valuable to, to have Tomasz Plekanec as, as some kind of, uh, you know, uh, having that kind of consultancy role um, in some, to some regards when it comes to like European, uh, especially European centermen coming up and, and just uh, being able to learn from a guy who had, what did he have in the end? 999 NHL games or something. Um, so yeah, it, it speaks volumes to, to Mishak as well and, and how, um, how much he wants to improve. And we talked about that with, uh, uh, like we've talked about that with uh, several of the other prospects, um, uh, most notably um, a guy who will appear later on the list, Cole Caulfield, um, who uh, who always speaks about how much he wants to learn more. Um, it doesn't matter if it's his strengths or if it's, uh, if it's his weaknesses, there is always something to work on. And I think Mishak seems to have that same uh, mindset and um, that's good moving forward. And also we have to give credit to, to Montreal here where they uh, seem to, to be taking an active part in the development of, of the youngsters uh, something that we maybe didn't see a couple of years ago. And um, Mishak speaks very highly of, of the nutrient coach and, and, and getting the, the correct uh, strength uh, exercises in during the, the off season in order to progress. And, and 
there has been, uh, for obvious reasons with Kotkaniemi as well, um, questions about the, the, the Montreal, how they develop the talent. But it really seems that a first-round pick is a first-round pick, and we take that out of the equation. But they put a lot more effort into maybe guys drafted later in, in later rounds in order for them to progress better. Mm. Yeah, uh, you have a good point there. Um, it would be interesting to... Uh... Um, interesting to see what um, what Montreal will do with that moving forward. And, and we can only hope that, that it goes better. I recommend that you listen to, to the Jan Mishak interview that I did earlier this summer, but especially uh, both Anton and I, and I'm sorry I'm taking the words out of your mouth now, Anton, so you just have to agree, but but you you really should listen to the Chris Peters interview that comes up for, for, for the next part of the top 25, 125. It's, it's a fantastic interview. And he shares so much knowledge, not only about the prospects that are coming up, but also about prospects that, that has already been uh, featured on, on this top 25, under 25. Uh, I think I speak for both of us when I say that we are happy you are listening to this. And uh, uh, again, uh, we appreciate all the feedback that we get one way or another, emails, um, tweets, DMs, uh, comments in, in, in the sections. We read them all. We talk to them, we talk with each other about them. When, when we see something, we, we discuss it. Is this something we want to do? Is this something that we can do better? Uh, are, are, are they say, like, like the listeners say, it was good. Can we do it better anyway? Because we want to progress. So, so everything that you put a highlight on, we're going to discuss it and, and we're going to learn from it one way or another. Uh, Anton, it's been, it's been great. I wish you the best over in Wales. So I'm glad you arrived safely and... Uh, that, that you're making the best of the time that, that you have there. Thanks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.